Welcome back to RaiderCast. For the first episode in 2021, the year of Tomb Raider's 25th anniversary, I wanted an episode in which I chat to a long-time Tomb Raider fan, in which we reminisced and celebrated the series past, but also looked ahead at what's yet to come. This week provided the perfect opportunity, as Santa Croft saw fit to skip the festive period and deliver all the goods in January instead. What a year 2021 is shaping up to be. And to briefly recap. The first week of January had fans poring over Core Design's lost Tomb Raider anniversary game, exploring the game files and just having a damn good time of it. If you're just listening to this instead of watching, I recommend heading over to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash Raidercast and checking out the impressions of this lost gem in a series called Excavating Anniversary Edition. Since then, Square and Crystal have backed fans and given the official green light for us to continue delving into these files by helping Ash restore the game to archive.org after they were temporarily removed. We have confirmation that the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider movie sequel is going ahead with Misha Green writing and directing. She's the visionary who brought the awesome Lovecraft Country to our screens, and if you haven't checked that series out then I highly recommend it. It's fun, it's bizarre, it's fantastical, it's gory as hell, but it features a very Tomb Raider-y episode. And the themes in the entire series are relevant today, it packs a hefty punch when it comes to racial inequality. On top of that we have the news that the writer of the Witcher TV series is bringing an anime Tomb Raider series to Netflix, which will follow on from Lara's adventures in Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Not much more is currently known about that, but I'm pretty excited to see what it brings. And as well as the core game, and the movie news, and the Netflix news, now we also finally have word about the future of the game series, and in particular, the 25th anniversary celebrations. Throughout the year, each game will be given a month of celebration, starting with the original 96 Tomb Raider in February. I expect we'll see lots of things like competitions for fans and official channels sharing fan work as the year goes on. And three magic words were also uttered during this announcement. Three words that I don't think anyone expected to hear, but if you keep an eye on Tomb Raider social media or forums, then there's a high chance you've heard those words a bazillion times now. And I'm talking, of course, about unifying the timelines. We envision a future of Tomb Raider unfolding after these established adventures, telling stories that build upon the breadth of both core design and Crystal Dynamics games, working to unify these timelines. With Tomb Raider's extensive history, this is not an easy task, and we ask for your patience as we go through the development process. This is pretty massive news. Not only is it the first official word of the game series' future, but it also potentially poses some pretty hefty big changes. I invited Season 1 special guest and fan author Jenny Millwood to return and talk us through what unifying the timelines could mean for the future of Tomb Raider. I'm sorry. I only played this for. I don't count poison darts and trick them too much. I was a good friend of theirs. You, you killed her. killed her. She's not dead. Jenny, welcome back to Raidercast. I'm very excited to have you on here again. Uh, it's lovely to be back, Chris. Always love listening to your podcasts, and it's always a pleasure to be here. Today, we are going to be discussing those three words that have echoed boundlessly throughout the fandom since yesterday unifying the timelines 
Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Indeed, yeah. it is quite a goal. Where to begin? Uh, I, yeah. Um, I, I I'm thinking that maybe Crystal Dynamics should you know focus perhaps on a slightly more feasible goal like solving world hunger. I mean, just to throw that out there. <laughs> Uh, but seriously, as soon as I heard that um, in the announcement video, my my heart both leapt and sank at the same time, which is quite a, a weird sensation, to say the least. Um, it is proving to be quite divisive, isn't it? There's an awful lot of yeah. This this is the this is the strange thing because I think the ultimate goal for Crystal on this is to try and find some kind of unity, not necessarily so much with the timeline, but within the fandom. Yes. I think somebody sat down and went, right, 25th anniversary is coming up. You know, this franchise has had so many different eras and, and permutations. How can we unite everybody? Because everybody's all, oh, reboot is better. No, classics are better. No. And, and there's been so much bitterness and, and rivalry and, and infighting for the last few years. And it has been a battleground. Yeah, I, I guess the developers are probably just as tired of it as the fans are, frankly. Yeah. So the idea of, hey, let's create a unified Tomb Raider timeline to kind of Ooh. settle all differences. You know, yeah. let's try to please everybody in one big package. On paper, at a pitch meeting sounds, oh, that sounds brilliant. That's awesome. It's, uh, I, yeah, I, I love this idea. Yeah. I love this goal. Yeah. I really do. I, I think I, I laud the, uh, the ambition behind the goal. Oh, so much. Perhaps more than the goal itself. <laughs> um, because within about, you know, 10 seconds of hearing that, my, that, that was the heart sinking bit. My heart went, this is going to be so insurmountably difficult. How the hell are they going to do it? So in the past, you've written a lot of Tomb Raider fan fiction and with Angel of Darkness and your novel, and you have all of these storylines from the classic era. Mm -hmm. Have you in the past, you've tried to bridge the gaps between the different eras as well in any of your stories? And how easy is that? Can it be done? I think I must have sat down probably in 2006 or 7 very shortly either before or after legend came out mm -hmm. when we knew you know basically what the whole storyline was and gone how could we possibly reconcile this with what we already know and to be honest i gave up because my attempts were very half-assed and so have any other attempt that i've ever read from other fans even fans you know that i admire and appreciate they've gone this is like you know a rubik's clue that's been super glued closed you know <laughs> um how, how how the hell can you do this because it is not simply a case of like cherry picking events like oh lara goes after the skion of atlantis oh let's go to Jian in China and find this awesome dagger that turns you into a dragon. It's not just a case of cherry picking your favourite events from each era or artefacts or places or characters and kind of putting them all together into one timeline. That's not how it works because story events and the characters that we create and the motivations that lie behind them they're all part of a much more fundamental structure than that, the narrative. And the narrative cannot 
be reconciled across these three eras because each one has a completely different narrative. Going right back into Lara's past, everything between the classic era, the legend anniversary Underworld era, and the reboot era, if everything tries to line up neatly with Lara's character, it can't be done because of her upbringing. I think is the fundamental change in everything is what happened to Lara when she was young and who with. Yeah, and that that's the that's the first and most important starting point. You see, that's that's the overall premise, and all stories are built on premise first and foremost. Um, so, in the you might be able to do this actually slightly more easily with the, the original trilogy, Tomb Raider one, two, and three, because there, the premise was basically you have an aristocrat, loose cannon, who's cut off from her family fortune, who chooses a life of, of an adventurer for hire, uh, specialising in ancient relics, and writing about her exploits rather than a life of privilege and confinement. The premise for uh, Tomb Raider 4 to uh, Angel of Darkness, because Chronicles was kind of, you know, uh, just more small continuations in the previous premise, Um, you have that background, that, that premise, but given a new idea. Now... She makes a mistake and finds herself pitted against her old mentor in a deadly rivalry that is going to either prevent or start an apocalypse. Now, you think, well, that's just an event, surely. But that... It's just a usual Saturday for her. Yeah, that that's not what changes her. The thing that changes her is, at the end, when we think that we're just going to be able to reconcile Von Croy and Lara and ride off into the sunset and tomorrow morning she can be off doing another bit of adventuring. No, she nearly dies. I can pull you to safety. Good to see you again. I couldn't leave you! And that sets up the entire premise for the Angel of Darkness. So you have the same character, the same background, but now the premise is that she's accused of a murder she didn't commit and is thrown into this dark underworld to find answers and to find the real killer. That's the the key difference. There's no room in these premises, in these fundamental foundations of those stories for... I got into archaeology because my dad was obsessed with finding my mum who vanished under mysterious circumstances. Or even who was possibly killed by a sinister secret society, or I'm looking for the secret to immortality because my dad tried this and I thought he was crazy just like everybody else, but then I had a freak accident event on Yamatai and I had to fight through deadly trials and all the rest of it. And suddenly I realised none of these things are compatible. They're all very different origin stories. Yeah, they are. That's that's the, the great thing, is that all of them stand okay by themselves and that's fine. But when people start talking about unifying the timelines... It's it's a fundamental difficulty because it's like saying, okay, so let's put tractor tires on a mini and get that to power the space shuttle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the, quite these are an image. The, the, these. I know, but that's the thing. You know, you're, you're taking things, uh, elements, fundamental elements, the wheels, the engine, and the intended destination in this case space Mm -hmm. um 
But you're trying to meld them all together, and what worked individually... Might not work together. Uh, now a smoking mess that can't even turn the wheels, you know, and is sitting on, on the on the driveway. Um, so I, I absolutely understand when we, we talk about, oh, let, let's have one overarching timeline, one Lara Croft timeline that takes elements from all of them and somehow makes it all seamless. It's so much more difficult than it, it sounds. It is such an immensely ambitious task they've set themselves. And I do hope at this stage, because they do say that there's not news of a next big game anytime soon, which is fine. And to be honest, I'm sure they're working hard at it in the background. As many games companies do, they just don't talk about it yet. But I do hope at this point that while they've said they're going to be unifying the timelines, I do hope that that wasn't just something that was said for this video. And I do hope that they have spent a lot of time thinking about exactly what they're going to do and have considered exactly everything that you've just been talking about, the, the differences and how they are fundamentally very different to piece together. So is there a way in which that could be blurred together very, very vaguely, I think. Um, well, in fact, you could probably do better than that. There is a way to, to use the phrase, unify the timelines, but... Do it. Use the phrase. <laughs> the, the, the phrase that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> there is a way to do it, but you have to scavenge bits from all the others and not just try to tack pieces onto one of the existing timelines. Instead of, say, continuing the Survivor arc, you say, oh, well, let's just have her go to Atlantis. Let's have her go to Antarctica to find mm -hmm. meteoric yeah. artifacts. Let's have her go to Bolivia to look for pieces of Excalibur. You know, instead of just tacking that onto it, I think what the writers may choose to do is create a fundamentally new timeline yeah. where they kind of restart the whole thing from the ground up. And as you said, the main one is starting with Lara's origin story. We need to know where Lara comes from in terms of her family, whether she was, you know, raised in a loving household where her parents were crazy about each other and her dad had a nervous breakdown about finding his wife. And Lara gets her archaeological desire from him. Or whether we choose a slightly more core design era style where Lara's family don't really care about her that much unless she's being a good girl and doing what she's told in a societal sort of place. And she rebels against that. One possibility might be that they kind of merge, sort of, the characters of Roth and Von Croy. Uh, because both both are kind of like father substitutes yeah, yeah. To, to Lara in both timelines. Both are mentors. The difference is, of course, is that Roth is a pure mentor. He, is, he does seem like a nicer person. He's a pure, supportive character. And in, in narrative structure, the mentor has to have a capital letter because it is a very, very clearly defined role. And that doesn't matter what story you're telling, whether you're writing a novel, writing a screenplay or writing a video game. But Von Croy, of course, starts off as a mentor, then becomes a rival, then becomes a deadly enemy, and then all of a sudden we're back to square one where he's more of a friend and 
a friend with major baggage attached to it, yeah, you know, yeah. as we find in the in the start of Angel of Darkness. So they they need to figure out where Lara comes from and where her character gets its particular motivations from. Why does she become an archaeologist? Is it because of her family? Because that's been the Crystal Dynamics and the Hollywood line since 2001. Or is it more a kind of estrangement from family, more independent, more kind of seeking out mentors outside that family circle that is more the core design era? You can unify these, but only to a certain degree, because if you took too far, you end up with a major conflict of where Lara gets her motivations. Now, that in narrative terms, is uh, something actually that John Truby in The Anatomy of Story writes about in great detail. And he talks about it in terms of things like a character's weakness and need. So, you know, to start off with a character who has a fundamental flaw, a problem, and that can be psychological in that it's only hurting them, or it can be moral, it can be hurting them and other people. So Lara in Core Design Era's kind of like psychological weakness, if you really want to go into this in any depth, is like, she's really selfish. You know, she does her tomb raiding and bugger the consequences. You know, she goes after shiny objects and it's only when her actions sort of like, I don't know, trigger the apocalypse that she goes, hmm, maybe I should do something about this. That kind of saving the world mentality or, you know, saving other people. Like if or I have to. Yeah, exactly. She was kind of, you know, had to be pushed into it. Yeah. So the weakness that the character starts off with necessarily means, okay, so what would they need to happen to them to overcome that weakness by the end of the story? Um, and what is driving them through the story? What is their desire? What's the goal that they want to achieve outside the story? And you don't have to go into huge detail with this. You don't have to say, oh, what is their goal in life? No, what's the goal in that story? And all of these things, as again, they come back to these weaknesses and needs and desires and goals have all been different in each of the different eras. And that fundamentally means that the story that gets told in each game is also going to be fundamentally different because it's being powered by a different fuel. It's like this car running on four star, this one's on unleaded, this one's on hydrogen batteries. You know, they're all cars, they're all stories, but they are all powered by fundamentally different things. And if you try swapping them around, thinking, oh, it's a car, oh, it's got fuel, oh, we can just swap them around as hock. No, it doesn't work like that because they are built fundamentally differently. I think that's spectacularly said. <laughs> Sometimes the simplest analogies are the best. Yeah, I think... The way you just explored it then is is really pretty much spot on. Um, to be honest, one of the things that I was thinking that they could do going forwards in terms of unifying timelines would be literally to keep it as absolutely vague as possible. To do something like you were suggesting then, very selectively and carefully picking moments of all of Lara's games, but ones that don't conflict setting this new game at some point during Lara's life mm -hmm. so people aren't necessarily sure then is this a direct continuation of the survivor storytelling mm -hmm. is this set after that is this set after the angel of darkness yeah but then whenever she refers to her past maybe she doesn't refer to her parents because then 
the player gets to decide for themselves. Oh, yes, we're, we're following on from classic Lara. Oh, no, this is definitely following on from the storytelling in Shadow. She's bid farewell to her parents. She's had that sort of cathartic moving on journey. And this is just where we're up to. She would exist separate from any kind of origin in that sense. But then listening to what you were just saying then, obviously about the fuel of the story and how her origins are fundamental to her character, could they get away with it, knowing how much influence Lara's parents have had on her in every scenario? Like, in the classics, people say, like, obviously, oh no, she rebelled against her parents, but that is fundamentally connected to her parents. She had that forced to rebel against. Yeah. So can they do it in the future by maybe not referring to such a massive event, I wonder? The ultimate solution would be to, in terms of how do we deal with this problem, is we don't. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it sounds quite a, simply. It, yeah, it, it's a it's a bit of a cop out, maybe because when we talk about grand things like unify the timelines, you automatically go, "Ooh, we're going to find out how Lara became Lara." Well, given everything that we've talked about, that has some fundamental structural issues that are either very difficult to overcome, or are only going to result in like a, a half-assed kind of story that doesn't really provide strong fuel. It, to, to use the, the car analogy, it would be like putting distilled water in the fuel tank. Yeah, it's liquid, but it doesn't really have any punch to it. You know, yeah. It doesn't matter how much you, you prod it and turn the, turn the ignition, it's not got anything you know, driving it forward. And we're talking about things like conflict and opponents, um, self-revelations, new equilibriums, all these different aspects of characterization that drives story forward. I mean, one of the things I might be tempted to do, if I was Crystal, would be to go, okay, Lara from Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3, nothing fundamental to her character or to her motivation has changed. So what Crystal might do is to apply that similar tactic to a post-shadow, post my parents actually did support me and I did follow in their footsteps, type of Lara. I'm not sure what the future has in store, Jonah, but whatever adventure's on the horizon, I can't wait to meet it. Where that Lara, as you said earlier, has kind of moved on from the whole parental issues. She's solved the mystery, she's laid her parents to rest, she's, you know, fixed their reputation and she can now go back to the manor and, you know, get a cup of tea from Winston and go, get in the freezer. What do I do now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor Winston. Who let you out? Yeah. But, you know, she, she has like a, a fresh start, or the potential for a fresh start at the end of both Underworld and Shadow, for the fundamental reason that she's dealt with the parent issue. And so we could easily see from then she go into more of, you know what? I kind of getting bored with the aristocratic life and I'm getting party invitations, I'm getting marriage proposals, I've got this Earl from Farringdon who won't go away, <laughs> you know. And that could be an interesting um, and totally plausible, totally fine motivation to then take up risky 
adventure-sounding commissions to find dangerous artefacts from places where nobody else can go or is even knows about. So she can then bring her archaeological knowledge to the table, she can bring her confidence to the table that she had in the uh, by the end of Shadow. So, yeah, we, we could kind of continue that way, but yeah, that sort of avoids the whole origin story again, doesn't yeah. it? It kind of favours the, uh, the 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 parental origin story, uh, supportive parental origin story. I should I should clarify. There's another theory that I'm seeing, and I don't know how I feel about it yet. <laughs> On one, I think one part of me is very intrigued. So basically, it is a multiverse theory. Uh-huh. All Laras do exist separately in their own little pocket universe, mm-hmm. going off on all of their adventures. Mm-hmm. And this unifying the timelines would be somewhat of a narrative way of joining all of those different story threads. That at some point in each one of these Laras' lives, they find a looking glass, an artifact, mm-hmm. something that bridges the gaps between all of these different realities, mm-hmm. and they somehow merge. Mm-hmm. And that, um, in one sort of Marvel comic universe yeah, type Yeah, I'm trying thing, to think where I've heard I'm this one before. I'm quite and it was... intrigued by it, but it then presents the same conundrum of... You, you can't narratively just say, okay, well, everything happened. All of those pasts yeah. are now joined. She is now just one singular character going forwards. Yeah. Without addressing, well, what, is, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What, hap- what was her childhood like? Yeah, and to reference the um, aforementioned uh, film that you were talking about, that was sheer genius from a storytelling point of view. It's Into the Spider-Verse, in case anybody is still wondering. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I am not... Uh, just hold my hand up here. I am not a massive comics fan, and so I didn't know that much of the background going into that. But I was blown away by the the narrative elegance with which they handled that. They had a beautiful, apt MacGuffin for a change instead of it just being, you know, a shiny suitcase. That actually performed a narrative function that brought all these multiverses together. Give us different versions of the same character, it provided a perfect explanation as to why they were suddenly all thrust into the same story together. And by the end of it, it reconciled beautifully, but here's the crick. It it resolved by us focusing once more on the one character that we'd gotten to know from the very start. So it didn't so much unify the timelines as just justified and validated their existence. Now, in terms of Tomb Raider, we could have a very similar setup. You know, there is nothing in the Tomb Raider universe preventing us from finding an artifact that does the same thing as a particle accelerator and blowing open the dimensions so that Lara suddenly sees and meets and interacts with other versions of herself that are different but somehow all under the name Lara Croft, all go crazy for adventures into ancient temples and stuff. I will say now to people listening or watching this that if at this point you're thinking, no, that's too far-fetched, that couldn't happen. This is a universe in which Lara has a doppelganger, in which case there are Atlanteans, there are aliens from different worlds, 
there yeah. are literal other pocket universes. What do you think happens in Tomb Raider 2 when she steps into the floating islands? Like, what What on earth? Well, according or, to Simon Booker, that was, um, that was possibly a hallucination brought on by inhaling mercury fumes. But you know what? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, though, that the Tomb Raider universe does allow these absolutely awesome, crazy things. That's the beauty of its premise. Yep. And again, premise is one of the most, if not the most, important fundamental underpinning of any story. So we have to say that could be allowed. We could we're totally fine with that as a as a possibility. But there are two big problems with this. One is that, you know what, the Spider-Verse already did that, and every single person who sees that unified Tomb Raider using the same setup is going to go, hang on a minute, Marvel did that first. But the other problem is you are going to have to end the story at some point and you're going to have to end it with one character. Yes. And that character has either got to stand by themselves, you know, here's three eras of Lara, pick one, or be some kind of weird Frankensteinian monster of bits cobbled together that don't actually work properly together. Not because they're not cool ideas. God, some of the, the, the things that Lara Croft has done in her adventures in all eras have been awesome. Absolutely great. But you can't just cherry pick individual components and bolt them together any old how. That's just not how stories work. And I, I applaud so much everybody who has ever thought about trying to unify any of the Lara Croft eras. I mean, this was going on literally, as I say, the minute legend started to like properly sink into the fandom's consciousness. People were like, oh, right, so this is a, a totally rebooted trilogy, but um, maybe we could like make it so that it's one. I totally support anybody who says, you know what, let's try and do this. Is that what this is about? Closure? Isn't that what it's all about? Why we dig up the past to understand it? What do we realistically expect this will play out like? Because personally, and I think as much as I love conspiring about different theories, <laughs> like that multiverse one, mm -hmm. I literally think what will happen will be effectively a brand new reboot, but mm -hmm. I don't think they will call it a reboot. Mm. And I think what we'll get, at least in terms of Lara, they are going to give us a Lara who behaves like all eras of Lara. I think we are going to get a character who has her bow and arrow, who also has her pistols, mm -hmm. who is introspective and thoughtful to herself. Mm -hmm. Maybe she's a kind person when needed, but I think there will also be a ruthless, selfish streak that goes through her, that mm. she will have... Basically, I think she will have an attitude problem when it comes to people who are trying to get in her way. Mm -hmm. And I think that from a character, I think that is what we can expect in the future. But that doesn't really talk about the story and her background, but I really think that's what they're going to do. As the main point of unifying the timelines, I think they're just going to hybrid the different facets of Lara's personality. I, I really think that's what we're going to get. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that realistically, the best we could probably hope for would be to not wipe away 
all of the previous eras and what's happened in them, but basically to meet a Lara who has moved beyond all of that, who has done all of those adventures, but now isn't going to talk about them because she's on to the next thing. And if there are any references to those events, they will be made in only the vaguest, like, Easter egg terms. Oh yeah, super vague. I don't think any of those things are going to have to be fundamental to explaining Lara as she is now. And, uh, do you know, this is actually kind of exciting because it gives us the opportunity to wipe the slate clean of all of the uh, the baggage that's accompanied basically telling Lara's origin story, you know, twice or three times in the last 25 years. Um, realistically, the unify the timelines is probably most feasible with just a kind of a soft reboot yeah. where we kind of cherry pick our favourite memories from the previous three eras, but we don't actually examine them in any detail. We just sort of validate them and acknowledge. All of this stuff happened and it was great and all the rest of it, but it doesn't matter now. It's, yeah. We've moved on from that. And none of those origin stories kind of have any say in what is going to happen in this story going forward. I think that's both realistic and probably the only feasible option that's open to the writers, to be honest. I Actually, I think that's a really exciting prospect as well. It's a clean slate, a brand new start, and it leaves room for some great brand new storytelling. Yeah, let's uh, let's be optimistic here and, and not go, oh, this is impossible, we can't do it. No, it can be done. Just maybe don't get your hopes up for, you know, we're talking about Trinity somehow being involved in Eckhart's plans to raise the Nephilim or, you know, Excalibur somehow being connected to, you know, the Dagger of Xi'an or anything like that. that. That, I think, is the most realistic thing we can hope for. Well, Jenny, it has been an absolute pleasure talking about this with you. Mm, I'm the same to you, Chris. I'm all, you know I'm always up for this sort of thing. I hope as well that whatever happens, we get some really damn cool gameplay. Agreed. That's all for this episode. Don't forget to follow along for more news at Raidercast Pod, and see you next time. <laughs>